Hello, and welcome to Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode we discuss a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. Uh, this time I'm joined by Fraser for a second time. Fraser, can you remind everybody who you are? And I will then say who I am, yes. Uh, who is... Uh, no, we're actually recording, sorry. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I thought you were taking me through it again because I no. called up. No, sorry, I just jumped straight in. <laughs> I forgot to do the little preamble where I tell you what we're going to do. Cool, um, no, no problem. So this is this is live. This is part of the podcast now. So, uh, who are you? Hi, I'm Fraser Campbell. I'm a comic book writer from uh, Falkirk in Scotland. I write uh, Alex Automatic, uh, Sleeping Dogs, uh, The Edge of, uh, and other stuff. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back. You were previously on to talk about issue number. Five, I think, yeah. which was the puck one. Yeah, the bouncing puck at you, yeah. Yeah. Um, we won't go back over your history of Alpha Flight, which was uh, interesting the first time. But um, if people want to hear it, then they can go back to uh, the episode that you were on. And I can't remember which one I'm, it was. I'm sure everybody already has listened to it many, many times. Uh, yeah, um, based <laughs> on the stats, uh, gangbusters. Cool. Um, awesome. <laughs> right. This time we're going to talk about um, Alpha Flight number 14, which came out. Number 14? Yep, sorry. It is 14 we're going to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, it's uh, the, the month on the cover is September uh, 1984, and the uh, it's called Biology Class. John Byrne was the creator, Andy Yankus was the colorist. Michael Higgins was the letterer, and Denny O'Neill was the editor, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. And, yeah, so, it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's, before I start giving my opinion on what kind of issue it is, why don't you tell us what happened? Okay, uh, right, well, this is a packed issue, uh, as I'm, I'm sure you'll come on to, to talk about, uh, where, where pretty much everybody features uh, starts off with uh, snowbirds, uh, big splash pages snowbirds. Mm-hmm. There's a red background for some reason. Uh, yeah, I didn't get the red background. I think it's maybe to signify that it's kind of dawn. Uh, but the colour scheme, even I've got the old comic book in front of me. Yeah. Uh, because I, 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 I've sort of dug it out because I caught up with it on uh, the Marvel Unlimited app. Yeah, and as we discussed before, the the colours uh, in the older comics sometimes just pop out and look completely crazy uh, because they weren't meant say for digital reproduction. Yeah, because I've got it in trade where they've um, like sort of returned it to the original colours without taking yeah. into consideration the paper stock, and it is very bright red. It's like yeah. colour coded CC zero 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 zero. It's like proper so, yeah, so- red. Bright red on the splash page, then orangey on the first panel of the next page and the second, and then red again in the third. Yeah. And then, and then when she meets uh, Michael, yeah, uh, who just sort of appears out of nowhere with his uh, with his cool boots and apron, <laughs> uh, it's blue, and then white, and then pink. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess I don't know what that's meant to signify. Uh, maybe just. Uh, Andy was uh, was uh, having a having a bit of fun. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. so I mean, he's yeah, he's he's like going up and down the scale of the, yeah. the orange and pinks, isn't he? Yeah, 
it's good. Um, maybe it's like, can I wonder if anybody will even notice? <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, maybe 30 years or 30 years from now, a couple of old guys will be talking about it <laughs> on, on some sort of uh, recorded podcast. On a version of uh, like on demand radio. Yeah, on demand radio. That's that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as I say. Uh, I've, I've told you, I've said about my dream where Andy Yankis came to me uh, and started, um, he was complaining about me online. Yeah, he was berating uh, yeah. your, uh, your 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 opinions, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. That's, so uh, I'll always be a little scared of him. Yeah. That's, that's as, really as, uh, as downbeat a stress dream as I can think of, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was real at the time. Well, there you go. Well, very real. I'm not. I'm not belittling your your trauma <laughs> by any manner of means. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, ah yeah. There you go. So what is she doing? Uh, she is returning to the north, uh, basically because uh, I think a couple of issues before, uh, uh, in issue twelve, I think, yeah, she had a, a quite a, a tough battle that took a lot out of her. <clears throat> oh, it wasn't even that. It's the um. So twelve is when they go to New York to save Guardian. Yeah. And that, that's when they find out that if she leaves the north, yes, that shrivels right. up. That's right, yeah. And uh, she, she, the further away from the north she is, the less power she has, yeah. and the more, the more susceptible to uh, mortality she is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she returns to the north <coughs> and, uh, and uh, a bit traumatised, uh, and uh, having had to face her own mortality uh, because she is. Half deity, half human, isn't she? Uh, yes, so I think she's human. actually all. Oh, I don't know. It's, she's she's not human. So when she's in human form, she's pretending to be human. Hmm. Um, but she's not full god because yeah. she's because she's corporeal, I guess. Well, that's it. So there is a bit late and on page two where uh, where, where Michael reminds her that she is uh, you are human too. Remember. Yeah. You have you must consider. So no, it's not very clear uh, exactly no. what our, 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 our biological makeup is. But anyway, she she got a uh, she got a bit of a shock, and uh, she's I guess she's come north to to recharge her batteries and recover. So uh, as I say, as she's doing that, uh, Michael appears out of nowhere as he's as he's wont to do because he uh, he, he can just materialise anywhere because he's the shaman. Yeah. And uh, has a has a bit of a uh, a chat with her, not exactly a pet talk, just cause basically reminding her to you know cool her jets and yeah, uh, and, and make sure she kind of looks after herself. Uh, and uh, she, you know, it's a relatively cordial conversation about that. Then uh, uh, the snowbird flies off, and uh, and Michael uh, he also. Exits the scene, mm-hmm. uh, bringing us on to page four and the titles page, biology class, uh, where we are in uh, Toronto. Yes, yes, we are in Toronto uh, at uh, Ontario Place, <laughs> famed uh, as being the world's largest curved cinema screen. Yes, I'm sure it was at the time. Yeah, may still be. I, I don't know. My, I've never uh, taken that much interest, but John Byrne well, was desperate to tell us. Yeah. As 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 much as I enjoyed this comic, it never uh, sparked in me a, a, a desire to learn uh, much more about curved cinema screens. <laughs> so uh, 
So I'll, 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 you know, as I say, I'll take John's word for it on this yeah. one. Uh, he stuff's usually reasonably well researched. Um, anyway, uh, Judd and Heather are uh, in Ontario Place, hanging out. Uh, again, we're quite shortly after the death of uh, Heather. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in dialogue it says it's two months it's been two months since. Yeah, because we had issue 12 where it happened. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, by uh, and, uh, this far into the series is by far and away the biggest thing that has happened in the in the comics so far. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and quite traumatic. And then we had a very, uh, the, the preceding episodes, episode 13 is the one that starts with that. Uh, the night sequence. Yeah. sequence. Uh, so That's she's, what Tom uh, Ward came on and talked about. Yeah, so she's lost her husband, and she's a relatively young woman, and uh, has uh, has lost her husband and is in a bit of a mess. And uh, Judd, who is her friend, but also kind of loves her, uh, although he's far too much of a gent to say that at this point in time, uh, is kind of keeping an eye on her. uh, And they have a chat over some some beverages. And uh, as they are chatting... They hear a scream from the uh, from the pier, from the docks, mm. uh, and uh, they rush down to see what the commotion is. Yep. And uh, it is the uh, it's actually something pretty gruesome. It's actually genuinely horrible. Um, yeah. 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 Well, actually, yeah, I was yeah, was something that we can maybe touch on later on how how genuinely awful this is and quite unusual for a for a kids comic of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, a, a sea creature of some kind, a creature of some kind, anyway, has emerged from the sea and has taken uh, a woman's baby, uh, or you know, certainly a, a, a child, no bigger than a toddler, anyway. Yeah. And uh, because it was in a stroller, I assume. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's a, a baby, baby. Yeah. Yeah. A, a pushchair. <laughs> so I, I mean, that we, we've both been parents. We're talking like maybe between. One and three, maybe. Yeah, I guess. I, it's, it's probably so, not uh, worth going into specifics that much, but because it's yeah, there's a stroller involved. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, and has uh, taken this uh, child's uh, sort of leapt out, taken the child and, and gone back under the sea. And uh, Judd arrives on the scene first, uh, tries to calm the lady down, and as he is trying to do that, uh, Heather arrives. Uh, strips off her top for some reason and uh, dives in to uh, to see if she can find the baby. Well, it's quite uh, a baggy garment, isn't it? I think it would have slowed her down in the water. So, possibly. yeah. Possibly. But, um, but to be fair, it's not really a salacious thing. No, it's uh, not. No. She's she's got a fairly uh, standard uh, sporty bra on. Uh, so you know it's uh, it's not some sort of skimpy undergarment as you might get in some other comic book, uh, and uh, in she dives, uh, obviously not saying to to Judd, uh, you know you're a terrible swimmer, let me do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judd's obviously worried though because he feels that Heather is uh, diving into the situation literally uh, in, in reckless fashion because uh, she feels she's responsible for. Uh, Partly responsible for Max's death, so she feels as if she has to be doing something uh, to uh, to redeem herself. So anyway, in she goes, uh, and she uh, and we're underwater now, uh, 
and she spots the stroller, tries to lift it up, but it's been caught up in some weeds. And then a tentacle uh, touches her ankle, and uh, there's a couple of uh, sort of Jaws-like underseen, undersea horror scenes there uh, thereafter. Yeah, uh, it's a nice one with the, with the bubbles coming out of her mouth and her expression when uh, she sees what's actually touched her. Uh, and then she tries to swim to the surface, and these tentacles are coming up after her. Uh, she breaks surface and swims towards Judd, but gets pulled back underneath, and then manages to surface again. Judd gets her this time and pulls her out, mm. uh, but she's quite badly injured. Uh, we don't actually see her injury. We'll find out later on in the comic that uh, her legs have been quite badly hurt, but yeah. uh, we don't actually see that. Uh, and... Obviously, the the upshot of this is that she has not managed to save this child. No. The child is gone, uh, which is uh, pretty traumatic. And this lady is, is sort of pictured uh, standing, you know, looking on in sheer horror as uh, as it becomes apparent that her, that her baby ain't coming back. Uh, and then there's a couple of panels uh, given as the. Uh, given us what the what the creature might possibly be thinking, yeah, uh, as it returns to the deep. Then we cut. There's a meanwhile, uh, and it's not the it's not the the last meanwhile in this book by any manner of mean. <laughs> no, there's quite a few of them, yeah. Oh, there's a there's a few. It's a, so it's a packed issue. Yeah. Uh, away with uh, we're, we're over to British Columbia to Aurora now, uh, who is showering again. You know, a little bit saucy, but not the most salacious. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting the difference between Heather taking her top off and, and diving in and it not being salacious, and Aurora, it does have that sort of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Meant to be a bit. She, yeah. She, she, uh, yeah, because she's quite an openly uh, sexual character, I yeah. suppose, quite an uninhibited character in this in, in, in her Aurora personality. Yeah. Uh, Yes, uh, she's she's quite uh, she's depicted as quite sexy. Uh, so we see her uh, coming out of the shower, uh, not naked but more or less, uh, drying herself, doing her hair, and uh, obviously she's been in the shower, so she wipes steam off the mirror, and in doing so, uh, Jean Marie appears, her alter ego, her. Uh, her buried personality, yeah. Yes, her buried personality, her stayed alter ego, uh, is, is starts screaming at her from the mirror, let me out. Uh, and, uh, and indeed in the next panel is literally reaching through the mirror at Aurora, who is horrified and, and ends up lying, cowering in the corner of the bathroom. Uh, and obviously, again, we can, we can talk a wee bit more about uh, about Aurora's schizophrenia. Yeah, there's quite a lot uh, to talk to pick apart here. Yeah. Later on, it's it's quite an interesting theme, not horribly clumsily done, but uh, perhaps not as you know, not not very sophisticatedly done either. Uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, in, in comic book terms, this is you know, for the era, this is part of the course stuff. Really, it's not as if it's. Uh, it's not well done for the time. No, uh, it's yeah. I mean, we're talking 19, 1984 now, so mental health wasn't yeah. handled with any nuance or sensitivity very often. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think again, yeah, we can talk about more 
later on about uh, burning and how he liked to do things like yeah. this, uh, where he liked to tackle more serious themes and stuff like that, but still do it in quite a comic booky way. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, again, you, you can argue that his take on it wasn't very sophisticated or well done. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was something that he was a, I guess, a bit of a pioneer in bringing in bringing to comics at all, really. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. And and it um, being a hero with a mental illness, which is a problem for that hero, rather than uh, a villain with a mental illness, which makes them evil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting take and. Uh, and certainly, as I say, it's uh, it's something that we can we can have a we can go into in more depth later on about how well done it is. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, anyway, we we cut again back to Judd in the hospital. Uh, he goes to visit Heather, uh, and this is obviously where we hear from a nurse that her uh, uh, her legs uh, have been quite badly damage, she should be able to walk again uh, but and should heal with minimum scarring, she says. Yeah. So she's obviously been quite badly hurt. Yeah. Uh, and and doesn't look uh, you, know, you know, looks pretty shaken up when he goes to visit. Mm. Uh, so he goes, has a, has a quick visit with uh, with Heather and then goes to see uh, Judd, this is uh, a, a police officer about yeah. uh, what happened and he finds out that there have been 16 disappearances. Uh, yeah, 16 verified disappearances, but yeah, some of, of people randos who, uh, might have gone and they haven't noticed yet. Yeah, in the same area. And that's why I'm thinking that Timmy might have been an older child, because there's a picture of a wee boy just across from the police officer's oh, head. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. I mean, you know, but again, you know, I was... Uh, Again, I guess he just couldn't bring himself to, to draw an actual baby on that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, um, because in the next... So I think it's the next issue, or the issue after that, um, he makes it very clear that it was a baby. Oh, well, there you go. Um, in so maybe pretty horrible not way, so, yeah. Yeah, 16 pictures on the thing. But then again, his arm was across one of the pictures, so that might be the... It might be, yeah. Or um, my thought on this was that they hadn't included the latest one yet. Fair enough. There you go. Because, I mean, they've got... This is a shutter, isn't it? It's like on a roller blind. Yeah, so he's just got sort of, I guess... I don't know how he would assemble uh, mugshot-style pictures of people. Uh, Is it normal to put them on a roller blind? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I've, been, I've never been involved in an in a investigation of that sophistication. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm going to say probably no. OK. But, uh, but, but you never know. Uh, uh, an interesting one. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the latest victim is not included, as uh, probably. Uh, probably, yeah. We, we can take from that. Anyway, so that's the... Uh, that's the that's the, the sort of lowdown. There's 16 people being involved in this uh, in this situation, uh, and uh, which sort of takes you to the back a wee bit. Uh, yeah, then sort of goes into the sort of more gruesome elements of uh, the remains that have been found. And uh, yeah, so the, the bodies uh, are three jars of varying sizes on a table. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, not very nice, particularly. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's uh, 
that's been uh, that's been. Uh, sorry, I'm. My concentration has been broken by the fact that I'm trying to plug a battery into my iPad at the moment. Because I've just noticed it's down to eleven uh, percent, but it should be fine. We'll be, uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be all right. Um, yeah. We'll just keep an eye out on it and report throughout the podcast about what we're on. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, so we're... Uh, yeah. Uh, so, oh yeah, and then Puck. Um, so have a flashback to the medical examiner. Uh, oh yes. And then Puck says that it might be something to do with aliens. Yes, that's right. Uh, because the, uh, the police officer thinks it might be a vampire. Uh, and there's a cool note from Danny O'Neill here saying the general public is not yet aware of the destruction of all the vampires by <laughs> Dr. James. So call another comic book I remember reading at the time. Uh, I'm so not aware of that one because obviously there are still loads of vampires in comics because Morbius is knocking about still, isn't he? Yes, I, but I mean, it was obviously it didn't take. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, Dr. Strange did dis- destroy all vampires at one stage in the Marvel Universe. Uh, when he came up against, I think Dracula. Is that the Montessori formula? Is that because I've got? I think I've got that collected. I've just never got around to reading it. I think so. Yeah, I think okay. that's the one. I'll uh, tell you what. I'll read that and I'll let you know if it was that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, but there you go. So that, that was quite interesting. But yes, I so Judd, Judd thinks it's aliens, uh, and I think you know he's developing a theory, uh, which which he comes on to later on in the book. Yeah, uh, and then uh, we we have yet another. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile. Uh, we go uh, to Atlantis uh, to where uh, Namor and uh, Marina are having a chat and uh, Namor sort of casually drops and he has decided that uh, Marina is going to be his consort, going to be his, uh, he's, he's going to marry her. Nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, in that, in that uh, disarming way that uh, Namor always does with his uh, I need a queen marina. I have chosen you. Uh, this, is, this is this is obviously news to her. Uh, however, before she can answer uh, or, or say anything, uh, her alpha flight call signal goes off, and uh, she's looking. Sorry about this, but I have to go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and Nemo's looking right. Well, I'm coming with you. We need to talk about this. Uh, however, uh, Nemo is. Uh, Interrupted then by a, 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 a chamberlain or some sort of bureaucrat, uh, and you can tell he's a bureaucrat because of his gigantic fez and uh, <laughs> four-pronged beard, yeah, uh, uh, sort of starfishy kind of beard, uh, which is magnificent. Uh, but anyway, there's uh, and I think these these panels uh, allude to a Submariner miniseries that I don't remember. Uh, but uh, it's just to sort of tie in that continuity because he, he shouldn't actually be going to the surface because he's in the middle of some sort of negotiation. Yes. Uh, anyway, to get, cuts back. Um, to get uh, was it Atlantis into the United Nations? Oh, that must be it. Yes, there you go. Yes, uh, yeah, well, there you go. It is there. Uh, so, anyway, Judd is uh, waiting for Marina. Out she pops off the water and uh, Judd's. Uh, Lays on her his theory that uh, the creature that they've encountered, this creature who's been killing all the people, uh, was perhaps from the same, uh, I guess, brood of eggs that uh, Marina's from. 
and uh, as as we all know, as we all know as fans of Alpha Flight, uh, Marina has worked out that the reason why she's taken human form is because when she was found, when her egg was found, uh, the first per- the first entity she encountered was a human, so she took on those characteristics. Uh, and Judd's theory is that this creature has encountered something else and modelled itself on that. Yeah. Uh, so they have a chat about that. Uh, and uh, and obviously uh, Judd feels Marina may be, you know, may be the key to destroying whatever they've, they've discovered. Uh, and then we go to, our, our, I think, yes, our final meanwhile of the, of the issue. Yeah. Uh, cutting across the, the country again. And this is pretty cool, actually, because he does seem to get right across uh, Canada in this one. Uh, we go to Calgary in Alberta, uh, where we find uh, Elizabeth's two young men, estranged daughter of Michael, uh, and she is busy on an excavation at the original Fort Calgary. Yeah, because uh, so, I think am I right in saying she's an archaeology major? As, uh, she's an art student, and I think oh, she's doing archaeology on the side. I think that's right. what it was. Well, that's as, as people do, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's uh, she's helping out with this, and uh, as she's doing that, she uh, discovers a skull. Yep. Uh, in the ground, say uh, you know, which is uh, you know. Uh, which, obviously, uh, this being a comic book, is haunted and starts screaming revenge at her. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we, and it promptly disappears. However, it leaves uh, Elizabeth basically traumatised and realising that in order to uh, figure out what it is that has uh, that has happened to her, she needs to break the uh, the estrangement with her father and, and go and speak to the only person she knows who might have a clue about what's happened here. Yeah. And that would be her dad, Michael, two young men, Shannon. Uh, and that's, uh, that obviously leads us on into other issues where, you know, Elizabeth uh, comes into her own and uh, and becomes uh, becomes talisman. Yeah. Uh, but there you go, so that's, that's the issue. Uh, absolutely packed <laughs> with, uh, with, with loads of uh, loads of plot, yeah, uh, loads of uh, loads of character stuff, uh, and uh, and yeah, tr- pretty much jumping crisscrossing the entirety of uh, Canada from sea to sea uh, to to try and to try and bring in all the characters. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. I was gonna say when I was gonna introduce it, I was like, it's an issue where not not a lot happens, but a lot happens. If that makes sense, there's no, there's no. I- Everything's a seed of a story rather than a story in itself. Yes, there's a lot of, uh, and that's something that I was going to mention. There's a lot of uh, dormancy yeah. and uh, uh, you know a lot of latency, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of, in terms of the story building. There's a lot of seeds being planted, but but one of the things that Burns done quite skillfully is. Uh, Sort of mirror that with the characters that he's used, mm. because you have uh, obviously Heather as a focus, who we all know uh, at this stage, you know, doesn't 
doesn't maybe feel as if she has it in her to lead, but eventually becomes a great leader. That's it, yeah. Uh, and and you know other people see it in her, but maybe she doesn't at this point. And uh, you also have uh, obviously Aurora, who has a, a dormant uh, and and, uh, and 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 more prominent personality mm-hmm. issue. Uh, so there's there's uh, there's wee bits and bobs in that, and then obviously finishing it off with uh, with Elizabeth. Yeah, uh, I think it's the first time we've seen, uh, other than when she is a girl in the flashback. It's the yeah, first time we've seen her as, she an, as, as an adult. Yeah. Oh well, so, uh, there you go. So uh, that never clicked with me when I was reading it again. Uh, but yeah, so obviously we know, uh, or, or anyway, uh, you know, sort of long-standing uh, Alpha Flight fans will know that uh, there's a sort of a, a, there's an aspect of dormancy there as well yeah. because she becomes a very powerful hero yes uh, later on and then later a villain for a little bit as well well uh, yeah and uh, yeah so so there's a lot of that but but yes I and, and you know largely what what Burns doing here is he's laying the groundwork for for later stories yeah uh, and uh, you know what he's managed to inject in there. Uh, in addition to that, has been uh, the uh, you know the stuff with the with the monster and stuff like yeah. that. There's a little bit of action there to keep you going. Uh, I think up but, until twelve, everything was sort of dovetailing in towards that, and I think he knew for a long time that he was going to kill off Guardian, and all the mm-hmm. all the story points were leading in towards that. That's where they were pointing, even though you might not have realised at first. And so mm-hmm. this is him kicking off a bunch more stories. Yeah. Uh, because when he, when he left, he, he wrote that <clears throat> an open letter to like the readership on his la- in his last issue, mm-hmm. saying that he thought he started with a story he wanted to tell, and then enough people enjoyed it that he had to come up with some more stories. So yeah. This is him coming up with more stories for the characters. Cool. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh, and he is uh, laying the groundwork for some for some new stuff in this issue, obviously. But like I say, I think, uh, although you could maybe argue, again, it's maybe just an era-specific kind of thing, uh, there, there is a lot of dialogue. Yeah, but there is, yeah. If you look at page five, there is an absolute shit ton of dialogue on that. <laughs> by modern standards. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. As, it's not ridiculous by, by 1984 standards. Uh, but it's still, you know, you, you've got like word balloons with like 60, 80 words in them, which yeah. you've just heard of these days. Yeah. Uh, I always remember uh, seeing Mark Wade give a talk in, uh, in, uh, in, in Thought Bubble when uh, when he actually, you know, when people ask uh, questions like, you know, how do I get started in comic books? And people give sort of platitudinous advice about, you know, well, just keep trying and all that kind of stuff. He actually gave some practical advice. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's the, the fairly standard, uh, which, I, which I actually thought was brilliant, uh, brilliant advice for somebody just starting out. And uh, and it was, uh, you know, no more than five panels a page and certainly no more than 30 words per word balloon. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, those, those are those are good good rules to stick by, uh, particularly when you're just starting out. But well, because, I mean, I've found, because I've been putting uh, text into my work more recently, and mm-hmm. it's actually difficult to fit that many words into a page. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I, can, I manage about eight words a page, <laughs> not, not a balloon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a skill which I think has passed on a bit, to be honest, getting that much. I mean, and it comes from Stan Lee as well. He used to jam in text, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and uh, Claremont in particular was was uh, was a, a, a huge advocate of absolutely stuffing. Yeah. Uh, well, some, just, some of his just, pages are 70% dialogue, weren't they? It was just the style of uh, older comics. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I remember talking to so a friend of mine uh, who uh, a bit younger than me, and so I sort of grew up in you know his his, his sort of years the nineties, mm. uh, sort of nineties X Men and, and stuff like that. And he got uh, one of the one of the the Teen Titans omnibuses, the Wolfman Perez ones. Yeah. And he was talking about how he found it quite difficult to adjust to that style of comic book because they had uh, because they had so much yeah. uh, uh, dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was quite jarring at first, but then as he was reading it, he was realising that uh, so like, okay, well this is a bit you know this is a bit this has taken a bit of getting used to, but I have absolutely no. Uh, doubt at all what anybody's thinking, what their motivations are, who these people are, what their relationships are with each other. Yeah. You know, it was because they were, it was properly and expertly written. Yes. Uh, so, so I'm not, as I say, I'm not criticising at all. No. Uh, I'm just, you know, these days they are, they are noticeably packed with dialogue, probably to the point where uh, if it wasn't John Byrne, they would maybe have been told to trim it a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah, that said... He's drawn the panels in such a way that it fits quite nicely, really. They're still uh, dynamic comic pages, even when it's just people sat down having yeah. a chat. Yeah. Because the background that he's covering with the uh, with the word balloons and say the the second panel, for example, is just you know the out, outside the restaurant they're talking in. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing. Nothing important is being covered at all. No. Uh, and obviously, as we've discussed before. Uh, Burn has a habit of maybe doing every third or fourth uh, panel with no real background at all, yeah, and just a colour fill uh, yeah. to save himself some time. Uh, so, uh, so you know that obviously gives him ample space for that as well. Because yeah, you know, panel three, for example, on page five has uh, one one linked uh, word balloon and then another big word balloon uh, on you know either side of Heather's face. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's maybe just because I'm not that good. But uh, but yeah. So as I say, that that's quite noticeable. Yeah, because uh, I was I was thinking of that, and because uh, all the characters in these comics and of the era as well mm-hmm. have a habit of um, the thought bubbles and like detail exactly every single thought they're having at that moment, mm-hmm. which is. I mean, in real life, you don't do that. You don't. Your your thought process doesn't break up into sentences. But and the, yeah. where where and if you did it in a film, for instance, you'd mm-hmm. give that character three or four frames, just like a little shot, and then the actor, it would be their job to tell you everything that they're thinking without saying it all out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's, if it's a decent film, um, I mean, if it's I don't know, a lot of TV nowadays will just have that character turn to someone. And tell them what they're thinking or how they feel about it, and it's just that winds me up. But the reason it doesn't wind me up here is that it's like 
that's just the distillation of that moment's thought. And so it's yeah. like spread out across across two. Uh, it, the one particular thinking of is when Puck watches Heather jump in uh-huh. and says she's being reckless and the reason why she's being reckless. And in real life, you'd sort of you'd recognise that, but you wouldn't have the time to say it all. But in the comic, yeah. they do. Uh, and I, I, yeah, it's just something that because I, I at the moment I've only really been reading comics from the 80s where where everyone's constantly and especially Spider-Man um, yeah so yeah it's just something that because uh, it comes up a lot in uh, on the podcast as well uh, uh, yeah yeah these these are older techniques that I think are comic book techniques as opposed to film techniques and I think a lot of people I can't remember who I was talking to about this uh, no, I can't remember uh, but quite recently I was talking to somebody about how uh, and, and I agreed with them it was actually them that said it I can't, I can't remember who it is that said it uh, that uh, a lot of writers uh, from the 90s onwards were quite film influenced yeah uh, and maybe not quite as influenced by you know comic books yeah that they, a lot of people coming into comics uh, weren't necessarily old school comic book fans and so they kind of dropped techniques like word balloons and narration for, uh, you know, for you know, wordless, wordless action sequences or uh, or something a bit more um, uh, something a bit more cinematic. Yes, uh, which is absolutely fine uh, and has led to a lot of good comic books. But uh, as I say, I'm uh, I'm all for these. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, what Judge does on page eight. At the, the top of the page when Heather died, and it's simply well, what we're seeing here is an articulation of a thought that you would have, just which might just manifest itself in your head as an anxiety. Yeah, or a, it, yeah. It would be they would be there and gone in a nanosecond. Yeah. Uh, but in a comic book, that's articulated so that the reader knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, I, do, I, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't mind these techniques at all. No. I, I, I think uh, I think they, they can serve a purpose. And they what's interesting, actually, is that looking at eight and nine as double page spread. I don't know if that's what they're like in the comic, um, mm-hmm. it, in the old one, but they're certainly in the trade. Is that you've got that condensation of time in that first panel with Puck, where it gives time for every thought he's had. And that's the first panel of page eight. The first panel of page nine is a big silent panel. There's no dialogue mm-hmm. in there at all of the, that tendril, tentacle thing reaching out for yeah. the foot. Um, and it actually, as a comics technique, that is creepier because there's no dialogue in there. Yeah, and again, the compression of time on, in these uh, in these panels is uh, is pretty good because uh, you know the, the, the preceding page eight. There's, there, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Heather thinking to herself as she's diving down. There's a bit of narration, it's setting the scene, and then the, you know, her, her the sole of her foot gets tapped by this, uh, or we assume it does. Yeah. Uh, that's the magic of comics. It's not quite touched up. Yeah. When we see it, uh, so that that happens, she turns, says what the, and then she sees it, and then she's swimming away. So that's. Those three panels have happened in the space of a second. Yeah. And then, or a few seconds later, when she's trying to swim away, 
and then she breaks her face a few seconds later again. So, uh, so you know, you, you know, the time difference, the, the, the pace difference from page eight to nine is quite pronounced, but yeah. it all works really, works really, really well. Magic, the magic of comics. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you were saying earlier about um, creators nowadays being, or many creators from the 90s onwards, being uh, influenced by film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw on Twitter the other day, and it was um, it was somebody I don't know. It was a reply to something else, so it was just like some rando. But um, they, someone had said that, um, someone described comics as movies on paper, and they'd replied, oh. wow, that's the perfect description of comics. I was like, no, that's a really terrible description of comics. Comics... Aren't, aren't yeah, a way of transferming movie plots on. They're yeah. a medium in themselves that have their own rules. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think it's a huge mistake to think that. Uh, if you approach creating a comic book from the perspective of, oh, I'm just going to make a film on paper, yeah. you'll, find, you'll find yourself in real trouble early on uh, because it's just not the same thing. You can't do the same things. There is no, I mean... Yeah, it's it's maybe more akin to silent movies. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it's it's not it's not the same thing. And uh, and movies you have you've you have a whole palette of other things that, that you don't have in comics. And in comics, you have the ability to expand and compress time to see right into somebody's head. Just in these two pages there, in eight and nine. Yeah. Uh, to have, uh, to, you know, to have a, a a third person narrator give you a bit of guidance on what's going on, They're just things that you would possibly wouldn't po- couldn't possibly work in a in a, in a movie, uh, in, in, the, in the same in the same way. Yeah. I can see why. I can see why people would 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 make the would make that mistake because uh, because obviously, uh, comic books and movies are both visual to an extent. Yeah. Uh, but I think the way comics expand and contract time in particular yeah. uh, is just not transferable to, to, to filmmaking at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm and sure somebody's got some great examples of how, of how, you know, cinema does that really well, but, uh, but generally speaking, uh, cinema has to obey, uh, you know the, the the physicality, the, the the reality of time and space. That's right. Yeah. Called. I mean, I'm, uh, I keep thinking at the moment of um, Twin Peaks season three as an example of how you approach time on on screen. Mm-hmm. Lynch just will stick on an image for far longer than is comfortable. Yes. Um, and you feel time. Time is like yes. uh, yeah. as a palpable object because of how heavily he uses it yeah absolutely um whereas in a comic you can do that easier by Mm. either doing lots of little panels or doing one big panel or the techniques for that which don't involve um like actually holding time on screen yeah Um, i mean even even just looking at looking at page nine and looking at those three panels that establish uh, the creature. Yeah. You know that that could that that those three panels taken in and of themselves, or the four panels, the the, the five panels, I suppose, of the whole page. Mm. You could see them in a, on on the storyboard for a uh, for a movie. Yeah. 
but but that's not how that would be shot. Uh, no, it's not. And no. and the and the introduction of that creature could not be done with that kind of economy and work in a movie. No, it's just not the same thing. You really do have to treat them as different animals. Yeah, uh, uh, and comics also have the because you can change the shape and layout of your panels. You can frame mm. stuff to include what's important in ways that again you can't with film because film you're yes. stuck to that that letterbox. Um, <laughs> whereas you can see on page ten. He's got these four really long panels, which he's used yeah. in, for different reasons each time. Yeah. Um, but he's grabbed the, the frame that he wants to tell that particular story. Yeah. And again, that's to signify the length. The uh, length of things, the, yeah. The, the difficulty of Feather's Ascent. That's it, yeah. Uh, back to the surface and how, you know, the, the, it's, to, it's to give a, a genuine, a, an actual physical depth to the, 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 the space she has to cover to get out of the water. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. And what's uh, interesting? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not an artist, and I'm not an expert by any man and a means in comics. Just a, just a, a long time reader, but, uh, so I'm not a scholar. Uh, I, I wouldn't profess to be, but, uh, but yeah, even just looking at these pages of a, a fairly standard 1984 comic book that was uh, for a sort of kiddle audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, there are techniques being used here that, uh, that, that 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 mark comics as a as an entirely different medium. Yeah. Uh, so so yes, I am. I'm not. Uh, I'll be. I'll be honest. Whenever I see, <laughs> and this is a bit mean. Whenever I see a, a, a Kickstarter comic for something that uh, says, "Oh well, we you know we started this off as a screenplay, but it, we couldn't <laughs> get it produced, so we made it into a comic." As well, I'm no backing. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know comics, comics is nobody's sloppy seconds, suffered, madam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I'm usually, you know, unless it's an absolutely, you know, they've 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 they've, they've actually taken the time to really uh, do it really well. I'll probably not give that, that project a second look. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway. I know what you mean. Um, okay, so um, I could talk about the difference between film and comics for literally hours. Um, <laughs> But uh, and also the other thing I could talk about is how Byrne uses panels in this. Um, but again, I I could probably stick between pages eight and eleven, and I could yeah. spend the next half hour just talking about different ways that he's used panels. But we won't because there's other stuff that I'd like to talk about. There is stuff happening in the book, yeah. Yeah. So the one thing which I'd really like to mention is that is this a shower scene with Aurora. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got all the stuff going on with her, so we know that she's got her personality, which she's trying to get out. But there's a third personality in these, which isn't explicitly shown, but she's at um, Sasquatch's house, so she's living there. So I think Sasquatch yeah. and Northstar are the only Alphans who don't show up in this issue, from what I can think of. Yeah, right. Um, but Sasquatch is actually in these pages because her towel is orange and furry. <laughs> Okay. Um, and it's just so much time is spent with that towel. It's in, it's in all, all but the establishing shot, that towel is in there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's an accident. I, I think there's probably a use the same colour that you would use on Sasquatch to colour in this towel. Yeah, yeah fair enough, yeah. Um, because I, obviously if you were uh, a hairy Sasquatch man, <laughs> you, would, you would make sure... And if you were a man of means, you would make sure that your house was kitted out 
with uh, tills that reflected the reddish colour of your, of your fur. There is um, that. I was thinking more of a, it's sort of a symbol of, yeah. of his role in her life. <laughs> okay. As a, as a constant um, comfort, because his role it, a lot of the time is to comfort her and calm her down and stuff. Um, sure, yeah. And I just thought it was a quiet nod to that. Um, also, though, he's got a toilet seat cover, which is furry. Okay. So, well, um, yeah, he does, little... although, although not orange. Uh, so, yeah. so he maybe doesn't want to be associated with the toilet so much. Could uh, be, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think that's probably fair enough. I that... think, obviously, the, the towel idea probably came first because he needed uh, a technique to uh, cover uh, Aurora's modesty. Yeah. And then possibly came up with the idea of, oh, if I make it arms, that, yeah, that. Maybe. Gives us it, yeah. it, it might just, it's possibly maybe reading too much into it, but I like doing that because it makes it more fun for me. So, no, no. Um, and, yeah, and, well, the inking techniques he's used on the towel are similar to the ones he uses when he does Sasquatch. So, no. so, so, I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm keeping it. No, that's fair enough. I think, you, I think you're probably right. Uh, it's, you know, it might have been an afterthought. Uh, not necessarily an afterthought. It could but have been an, an unconscious Something he came to well. after he decided he was going to use the towel. Yeah, and it could have been uh, an accident, but I, I like it. Anyway. Because the towel's in more or less every panel. Yeah. Uh, apart from one. Yes, when she's uh, doing her hair. Well, it was, there's the establishing shot, and then there's one where she's drying her hair. Yeah. But it's not, and otherwise it's in every panel. Yeah. The other uh, thing she... I want to talk about, sorry, I because there's so much I want to jump about because I don't want to uh, spend too long on any of these things, is the establishing shots, which we mentioned a few times, mm-hmm. which for the most part are inked photographs. Yes. Which I love as a technique um, because who's got time to sit and redraw an entire city? I'll just ink a photograph of it. Yeah, so it does that quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and it gives it a really... I really like the look of it. And I've just... I've, um, earlier this month or uh, late last month, I did a project which used, which did use that same technique. Um, and I just think the aesthetic of it looks really good. It look, it's got a sort of a photocopied look, even though it's not a photocopy. Um, yeah. And yes. and But what he does... So he does that technique, which I like by itself. That's enough. But whenever he jumps from town to town, so he does five or six cities in this issue he will put in a little bit of research about that city as well which is nice Mm -hmm. so when he goes to Calgary he talks about the recent economic boom when he talks about um, Toronto we get a little bit about uh, he's made sure that it's a factually accurate um, hospital Uh, and then we get that little note about it having the world's biggest curved screen yeah. Uh, even when we go to Atlantis, he he jams in that thing about um, the official motto of Canada is "Ad Mary Osc and Ad Mary," which I'm guessing is Latin, and I've ruined. So if there's any Latin experts listening, I apologise. Um, but even then, it's just like a bit of Canadian research, which he's got nowhere yeah. else to put, so he just whacks it in in here. It's good. Yeah. I like it. I get the I get the impression that. Uh... He uh, is determined to show all his homework here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so even when the, uh, the, the, the Canadian tit bit of information isn't 
perhaps the most interesting or necessarily relevant <laughs> to what we're seeing, he still manages to shoot on something in there. Yeah. I like it well. I don't mind it at all. I think it's, it's really good. Uh, and, then, you know, again, it, it just helps this cement the identity of the comic book. Yeah. Uh, which I think is quite important. He makes sure that we see plenty of the country and it's not just a kind of... Uh, you know, done as a kind of novelty and, and then sort of forgotten about as, as the series yeah. going on, yeah. And from so, what yeah. I understand, Canadians responded really well to having facts about <coughs> Canada put in. I think I genuinely think that they appreciate it. It's the same as if I watch anything about Wales and then they, like, mention where I grew up or where I, univer- where I went to university. I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. I'm glad you've put that in there. I'm happy yeah. to have this drone shot of Aberaeron Harbour. Thank you. Let's get on with the rest of it now that we've established that we're mates. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we're in an era where uh, people uh, appreciating decent, accurate depictions of, you know, themselves or where they come from, other backgrounds. People are going, yes, we like this. (laughs) And it's uh, it's something that's become quite controversial. Uh, But uh, but yes, who, who knew? Who knew that doing a bit of research into your market uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and actually connecting with people was a good way to sell books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good, and I do like the I like the ink photos. I think it's a yeah, it's a it's a cool a cool technique. Yeah. Uh, which uh, obviously, as we've discussed before, and the and the the previous time we chatted about this, it's obviously something he's done because of his stupendous workload at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, which was you know, you know ridiculous by modern standards. Uh, yeah. When you get you get a lot of artists who you know can't can't do can't do a full comic book and uh, without uh, without developing you know injuries, uh, RSIs, all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and this guy was knocking out you know I don't know what forty fifty pages a month. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and then, yeah, on that. Um, as well. Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, say what you wanted to say. Oh, so of, of stuff that he was writing as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so it's interesting. I mean, it was probably, uh, you know, it obviously wasn't sustainable because he only did it for a few years. But uh, yeah, it's interesting though that I mean, this is his like his glory peer, isn't it? This is when he was subjectively at his best um, and when people liked his work the most because he, he had other good like notable runs on things like uh, She-Hulk and, yeah. and bits and pieces like that but I think this is the period that most people other than X-Men obviously that people think of as peak burn yes I uh, well I mean obviously there was there was latterly when he went to DC Oh yeah, of course, and yeah, yeah. Sorry. And that that was probably where he, you know, where he, where he, you know, that was maybe the sort of the tail end of the comet, if you like. Yeah. Where he did a lot of very good work, but probably burnt himself out. Yeah, and he, apparently he wasn't happy at DC either. He didn't like being put in the boxes he was put in. Oh well, there you go. Uh, but, Which is uh, ironic for a comics creator. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I mean, he was obviously famously, uh, you know, uh, ubiquitous uh, at, uh, at the time from, I guess, about 1980 onwards, really. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, slightly before that, maybe. Uh, he did a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, my, my, my creaking, 
my my creaking shelves are testament to to Burns, <laughs> uh, to Burns output. I've got two huge, fantastic four omnibuses that he did. She Hulk, uh, all the Superman stuff, all of this. Uh, you know, it was a hell of a productive period for him. But anyway, I'm digressing slightly because we were just talking about how he he used these uh, inked photos as a as a sort of time economy, or we assume he did anyway. I just I think it, it, part of it is time economy, and also part of it I think is it it looks nice and um, it's a, a accurate as well. Yeah, I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why he probably did it is because it's an you know it's an easy way to do an accurate depiction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know he can't get anybody complaining to him about him not drawing it right. Probably. Yeah, that's it. Um, also on the speed he was going. Um, his inking style is quite loose, um, yes. but I really enjoy it in this. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. We've, we've again we've talked about this before. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't. I don't mind it at all. Uh, I do like him with Terry Austin, the best, right. bro. Uh, out, out of everybody who who inked him, uh, but I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, yeah, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not against him doing himself. Obviously, mm. that's uh, that, that's his prerogative. Obviously, and, and he does a he does a, a cracking job. It's just uh, yeah, he's got a lovely uh, line, especially when I'm just looking now when he describes the shape of someone's head. Mm. <laughs> he's got especially Puck. He's uh, yeah, lovely brushwork. Um, yeah, 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 good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm not you know you can't complain. I think maybe. Uh, Austin had a wee bit of a lighter touch uh, that, that I like a little bit more, but there's nothing wrong with this at all. It's still, yeah, still classic. It's still classic burn, and it still looks great. Yeah, I But what's interesting is that on the in the next issue, um, he takes on an inker, so he finally relents and lets someone else ink his work, who is um, Bob Wirecheck, who I think yeah. takes a little while to warm up to it, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's again, it's not bad. Uh, and again, it's a lighter touch than, than his own. Mm. Uh, but it's, uh, but yeah, I, you're right. I think it probably does take take a little bit, uh, a little bit of time for him to warm up. But then again, I'm I'm just looking at it. I'm to have these issues out just now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty elegant actually. It's not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, but it hasn't got that I, same I, energy because if you look at yeah. on the, the last page of of uh, fourteen. We get that screaming ghost skull shouting revenge. Yeah. There's there's an economy to the number of lines he's put on there, although you wouldn't think it because they look so busy. Um, but there's a real energy in there. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're absolutely right. But it's, it's a bit raw. Uh, yeah. And you know, for a for a guy who's sort of artwork probably uh, probably more associated with being sort of classicist and pristine. Uh, when he inks himself, he has a bit looser and raw. Yeah, uh, uh, and there's a bit more energy to the pages, uh, which uh, yes, no, I, I would, I would certainly concede that. Uh, and it's you know, you, for for somebody like me who likes to see a, a a sort of pristine classic comic illustration, it's uh, you know, it's uh, you, you don't lose too, you don't lose much no. of that. It's it's uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's not something I would, although we've. <laughs> We've now talked about it probably for about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's not something I would really argue uh, very hard against. It's, it's, it's very good at inking himself. Yeah. Um, 
Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I've got one more thing that I want to mention in particular. Uh, one and a half, maybe. Oh, that sounds like a bad pun when we actually come onto it. Is there anything that you'd want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, I suppose the, uh, the, the, the handling of uh, the, the, the Jean-Marie, uh, Jean-Marie uh, Aurora thing. Yeah. Uh, which I think again, it's uh, you know we, we, we talked about it at the, at the top of the uh, at the top of the podcast. It's uh, it's quite a I think it's it's quite an interesting way of of looking at a, a, a superhero, a person who has superpowers and is in a super team who obviously has this problem. This yeah, uh, you know, she has a. a you know, she has an instability in her personality that uh, up until this point, really the rest of her teammates, apart from her brother, obviously, who's flown the coop at this stage, yeah. uh, nobody else really knows how this is impacting her apart from Sasquatch, yeah. uh, who's obviously uh, you know, sort of keeping that to himself, really trying to respect her, uh, her privacy. But... Uh, Obviously, this is something that impacts on her ability to be effective yeah. as a superhero. Uh, and obviously, the parallel being that, uh, you know, obviously it would be a uh, a condition that would that would would have an effect on your own life if you were uh, if you were an ordinary person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think it's as I say, it's it's not handled horribly I mean I think the I think it's handled sympathetically I don't think it's handled sensitively if there's a a line between the two and I think yeah that's probably yeah yeah I think obviously you've got an initial problem with the whole uh, kind of uh, with the types of personalities that are split which are which are the kind of uh, the sort of trust up schoolman sort of personality and the sexy open uh, person, that's not really how that kind of thing works. No. Uh, but uh, but as I say, you know, I, I, you know, people didn't really. It's you know, it's, it's not unusual of, of of what somebody would think split personality was was like at that time. No. Uh, it's you know, so it's not it's not a thoroughly well researched and, and wonderfully accurate uh, piece of. Uh, piece of work there, but in terms of what people thought split personality was in, in the 80s, then it's, it's probably what most people thought it was like. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he never calls it schizophrenia either. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, which is fair, because that's not... It's know, not what that, it is, but I think... Um, not like what schizophrenia is. No, I know, but that's what people used to call it, isn't it? They, they well, yeah. They schizophrenic I, if they had multiple Well, yeah, so I think... Again, I'm, I don't, I, I'm no expert either, but I think what he's actually depicting here is uh, multiple personality disorder. Yeah, I mean, I did A-level psychology uh, about 20 mm-hmm. years ago, so I'm pretty much an expert on this. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I so... think I did a lot of it in my degree as well. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's only 25 years old, so yeah, we're, we're on safe ground here. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I just need to finish writing my paper. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, as I say, it's it's probably as good as anybody would have would have done it in comics at the time. That's yeah. not really excusing it, and it's kind of typical of uh, Burn in as much as he liked to 
so I introduced these things and I like to do things other people weren't doing like introduce relatively for the time things that wouldn't pass most of these days but relatively strong female characters uh, yeah. and have uh, you know and, and, and have women to the to the fore and, and, and sort of front of the front and centre of the stories and it's quite interesting that a lot of the the, the the main characters and the characters that kind of rise to the top in Alpha Flight are women. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Heather is an incredibly strong character because yeah. um, she, I mean, and also if you split a common misunderstanding of the phrase strong female character is a physically able female character, and that's not yeah. what the phrase means. I mean, someone yeah. who's got a strong personality that's well fleshed out, and I think we have that in Heather. Yes. Um, and also, I mean, she is a strong character. She's brave. She's headstrong. She's sensitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all yeah. together, maybe he's maybe his best. Uh, he's certainly his best created character. I think so. Yeah. Uh, in the book, uh, I like I like uh, I like how he wrote uh, Sue in uh, Fantastic Four as well, but and made her sort of increasingly in, increasingly sort of. Uh, uh, you know, strong and uh, and and resourceful uh, as the, as the book expanded, but uh, but yeah, I think I think Heather's probably the best character that that came up with. But he did it. I mean, even in Superman, latterly he created Maggie Sawyer, who was a, a, a great character, openly gay. Uh, so you know, I mean, he, he maybe wasn't the you know the the, the you know the, the the most sensitive or or the guy who did the best research, but he, but he tried to do things that nobody else was really bothered with. Yeah, uh, and, and, well, and we've we've mentioned it before, but Puck as well. I mean, Puck comes out really well in this episode, in this issue. Yes, um, he's not limited by his size at all. He's limited by the fact he can't swim, but and that comes up in in other issues. But mm -hmm. um, he is an authoritative, sensitive man. So he, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, and he he's, comes very, very well. he's a very well created character, uh, and you know, I think generally speaking, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm quite an admirer of uh, of, of Burns' uh, writing. At, yeah. uh, at uh, you know, for the time, I know it's a, you know, it's a bit of a qualification, but uh, obviously we're all sort of trapped within the eras that we uh, that we create, and uh, yeah, but I think. I, I don't know. I think a lot of this stuff actually holds up better than what we have at this time, because mm. and this is going to sound a bit comics gatey, and it's not at all how I mean it. But sometimes characters are given stuff to say because the writer wants to show that they are saying it. Sure. Whereas with Burn, the characters are given stuff to say that that character would normally say. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think, but I think that's you know that, that's not necessarily uh, you know that's a that, that's a skill level yeah uh, uh, thing. That's uh, you know politics aside, that's simply a technique thing. Yeah. Uh, and by this time, Bum has developed into quite a strong writer uh, who has uh, who who is able to uh, create an issue. As, as we mentioned before, that has that works on a couple of levels. Uh, that's you know re reflecting the sort of uh, the the dormancy and latency of the plots that he's uh, 
that, that he's uh, that, that he's sowing the seeds for with the characters that he's uh, that he's using to tell these stories. Uh, so the, you know, there's a there's a decent level of skill here. Yeah. Uh, uh, which you know, again, I, you know, I think it's uh, without wanting to be controversial. Not every comic book creator who's working right now is is uh, is, is a brilliant writer. Is as good as is as good technically as yeah. as Burns. I agree. Uh, uh, so it's a kind of yeah, it's a it's a technique thing. Yeah. There are ways to you know there are ways to to uh, to, to address co- uh, politics and comics uh, through through character. That's that's, it, uh, yeah. that's uh, you know that, that, that's you know it, there's there's no subject that's uh, that's off limits. Uh, it's just whether or not it's actually. Uh, believably, you know, like you say, would that character say that? Yeah, and uh, we've got an example of of that in play, really, in Namor, who doesn't give a crap about politics and no. literally <laughs> says so and flies out of a window. He's um, horny. I was going to mention that because the way Burn writes uh, Namor is as uh, as hilarious. Really, he's just you know, a, 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 you know, a, an egotist who's led by his deck. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And he says is, it's not uh, it's not a matter of the state but of the heart. And really is it really of the heart? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, you know, we're talking about a guy who's cutting around in uh, you know, shiny pants here <laughs> pretty much all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, to be fair that's that's been Nemo's function uh in, in comics for a while now. Uh Hickman wrote him like that really expertly in his fantastic forerun when uh, he was uh he was sub, sub, subdued by Sue, uh, and his and his affection for Sue, uh, who was far too much for him as a person. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he was just a sort of you know the, the horny, good-looking king who you know thought he would just get uh, he would just get the woman just because, and you know he's uh, he always goes for. Uh, he always seems to go. Or, or, you know, he often goes for a tough conquest, and uh, and, and that and that occasion he he uh, he was he was he was uh, given a run around. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I I like the way he's been written in this. Uh, where he's looking at, you know, this is just a big dumb guy. This is a and you know, Nemo's always been quite a, quite a fun, interesting character in that yeah. sense. Where he's he's you know he's been a villain. Uh, he's been a kind of comic relief. Uh, uh, as he's as he's as he's used here, really not quite as a comic relief, but uh, but he is um, a tonic to because all the other characters are quite worthy and they're doing things out of it being the right thing to do. Yeah, and then Namo comes along and he's just like I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, that's it, and I think is uh, that's why uh, because he is just pure Ed. Uh, he, he, that's why people like him. I think yeah. because he just he has just this. You know, sort of uh, willful character who, who uh, you know, is just pure will and and like you say, in a, in a, in a comic book filled with uh, very good, worthy people, you know, he's got that uh, villainous glint in his eye. Yeah. Uh, he's never quite uh, put, you know, lead, leading a leading an invasion of the surface world completely out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So. I, one other thing from the sublime to ridiculous that I wanted to mention, which is 
Heather's jumper in this in the last <laughs> episode of Alpha Pod Flight. I mentioned that um, the jumper that Heather wears in Alpha Flight X Men is a canonical jumper, and this mm-hmm. is where it turns up. Um, we've mentioned it before. It's quite heavy. It's uh, oh, this held, is the one with the lace design held together it. with thick cabling. Yeah, the cabling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to mention that I was correct when I mentioned that in the previous episode. Um, it is a jumper specific to Heather, um, right? Which I just, yeah, I just wanted to vindicate myself in the, in. The, no, no, it's, it's certainly there. Uh, uh, it's a yeah, it's, it's quite an item. Yeah, of, uh, it's a again, if we're going to talk about of the time, I think yeah. this jumper is is right there. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention again is uh, we're talking about a burn skill mm-hmm. um, and um, how he handles Puck. And I think there's one really great example of it on page 19. Mm-hmm. And, and how Burn handles Puck's size without making him ridiculous. And there's just yeah. a panel in the bottom left corner and Puck is just much further down in it than he needs to be. Not in, uh-huh. a, not in a ridiculous way, but Byrne doesn't draw him from the torso up, which is what you'd normally do for this sort of talking head. He literally just draws his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's just, it felt subtle at the time, uh, and I really liked it. Yeah. I think, you know, again, that's partly because he needed most of that panel for dialogue. <laughs> dialogue, yes. <laughs> but he could have drawn the whole of Puck smaller, but instead yeah. chose to frame him to focus on yeah well again that's obviously to convey the kind of intimacy of, the, of, of what they're talking about and yeah yeah i mean this is a, that, that whole scene uh, the, the the scene with uh, marina's nice because obviously uh marina's still a little skittish around him because uh she uh attacked him in an early issue yeah and i think maybe the first time they've spoken about it uh it's the first time they've seen each other since she got it yeah and they've seen each other since. Yeah. He's like, you know, you know, you, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attack you, kind of thing. And he's just like, yeah. In fact, what does he say? It's a nice. Uh, uh, I don't carry grudges, Marina. Let bygones be never wells. I yeah. say. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's a really nice, he's a, he's a really sweet guy. He's a really, yeah. he's a really nice fella, and uh, has. Uh, you know, has, has by this time become the kind of glue that's holding Alpha Flight together. Because that's even, right, yeah, yeah. even as uh, uh, even only fourteen issues into the comic book, Alpha Flight's become a kind of on again, off again, desperately strung out group of people who rarely actually get together. Yeah, uh, they you know they may tackle things in twos and threes, but uh, you very rarely see the full team assembled. Uh, and he's the guy who you know. Well, you know, if, it, if you know, I, I guess uh, they, you know, there might be uh, characters who have sort of grudges or, or, or don't particularly like one another. But if Judd asks them to get together, he'll be, you know, he'll be the he'll be the glue that kind of pulls them together. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's a nice we've seen that, and it's a nice bit that uh, uh, where he where he sort of yeah, it gives it. Obviously, he's drawing Marina in the next panel. Uh, you know, three quarter size, and that's just to sort of get, gives you a nice little idea of the uh, the size differential, the height differential. Yeah. But, uh, again, for some reason, uh, 
Judd, when he's speaking, the sky behind him is blue, but when Marina's talking, it's uh, it's kind of pinky yeah. purple. It flips. <laughs> it's, it's a final five-panel page, and uh, one of the panels is just floor. We don't we don't <laughs> see the sky, and then the other is it just uh, flips between pink and blue. And I can't. I mean, the panel after that's got a lovely sunset, which is purple and pink and red. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think at risk of my dream coming true, I don't think Andy Ankers has thought a lot about where these colours are going. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's a particular sim, uh, symbolism being carried through with the colours. Yeah, it might be. But the thing is, though, if we're talking about how quite well thought out this issue is, mm. and we're talking about, yeah, you know, if they've gone to the trouble of, uh, for example, as you suggested, having the towel be a, a physical... Uh, yeah. representation of Hank uh, then uh, then you know maybe it does mean something and we're just not picking up maybe, on it maybe it may be but like so the, this red that he uses so we see it first in the, in the, on the first page of Snowbird we see it to signify a flashback when we're in the uh, medical examiner's office we see it once in the scenes with Namor and Marina Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it again in Namor. Uh, we see it once when Aurora's blow drying her hair, and it doesn't. There's that red isn't carrying anything through the comic. It just it feels to me like a, I've used up the other colours. It's time to use red. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, maybe uh, because it does. I mean, there's a red even on the last page. We have. Uh... And I don't know if they're meant to convey moods or sen- you know, or, or, or just you know, sensory experiences or something. Yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, when when Elizabeth on the second last page is uh, we, we first see her digging mm. at Fort Calgary, the sky is blue. Then uh, she discovers something, and the sky is kind of orange behind her. Uh, then it's yellow. Then the ground is orange round about the skull. And then when the the ghost jumps out, everything's red. Yeah. I guess red or danger, I guess. I don't know. It could uh, be. It, the other thing it, it might... In the final panel, it's, it's purple. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing it might be is because, like, the reason that you'd use five panels, it there's sort of a rule in comics that you use odd numbers of panel of panels per page to keep mm-hmm. to keep it off balance and, and uh, dynamic. It's just like a, a trick that people use. Um, and I think maybe the colour is, is that. It's to stop the page from unifying too much and to keep it moving. Possibly, yeah, yeah, because it certainly does. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I don't know what it's meant to convey. Yeah. It's not something that uh, damages the reading experience at all. It's just no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't like that red very much, though. Yeah, <laughs> There's something about it which uh, uh, which I, I just don't take to. But yeah, yeah it would be interesting if. Uh, Obviously, if Mr. Yankis is outraged by our comments, if he could come on and explain. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all up for people uh, hearing about this podcast and then challenging me about it. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. Please don't ever do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no fair enough. Um, but yeah, all in all, as I say, it's a, it's a fun issue. Uh, it's it's very plot heavy. and uh, But like I say, I think it's it's really quite well crafted. I think so, and, yeah. Uh, and gives us a lot of good stuff, particularly about uh, Judd and Heather, 
Yeah. Uh, and and their relationship and uh, and their own, you know, where where they are at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, as as we develop, you know, like you say, the the develop the sort of next set of stories that we go into from this issue on. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember who who it was. I read the quote from, but they said that the mark of a true of, of a decent comic artist isn't how well they do uh, page after page of fight scenes. It's how well they do page after page of two people in a coffee shop having a conversation. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I this think... this issue just feels like one long two people in that. It's obviously not two people, but it's one long coffee shop conversation. Otherwise, other than a few breakouts of action. It yeah. is just people conveying information, but it's done in a in skillful enough way that you don't notice. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, as I say, I think there are some some pages where the dialogue is like, you know, oh, oh, jeez, oh, <laughs> you know, you think, oh, I'm going to have to pay attention to this page, uh, which I think is, uh, is is something that a lot of modern readers would bulk at. Uh, but uh, but the reward is there because it's you know it's, it gives you it gives you loads of information. And as we as I agree with you, it's it's done in quite a skillful way. Uh, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. To as a, as a writer, certainly who writes comics, it's very difficult to have expositiony conversations between characters that, that don't seem uh, like uh, like info dumps. I'm not sure the readers would know what the plot is just now. Well, let me tell you what the plot is. Yeah. Just now. Uh, it's it's very easy to to do that badly, and it's not it's not too bad at all. No, it's pretty good. All right, I think we have talked about this for a while now. I think we're yeah. coming up on about an hour, almost hour and a half, maybe. So, um, just in yeah. terms of our listeners and them having lives and yeah, and homes to go to and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can imagine that they've all been driving home from work listening to this. Yeah. And then have been sat in the car waiting for it to end and have been out yeah. there for half an hour and their wife's wondering what's going on. Or their husband or children or significant pet in their life. Um, but they're sat in their car now waiting for us to stop talking. And, yes. And uh, we haven't yet. They have probably just put us off, Gareth, let's be honest. Uh, <sighs> well, again, the stats don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, that's, that's my fault. I, I, you know, you get start, you get me started on these. Oh no, honestly, there's I could talk for a solid two hours about single panels in this. Um, that this this, Byrne has said, and I've mentioned it before that um, what he was going for is nuance. Um, yes. And I think this is this has got a lot in it, which means that there's a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just haven't got that long to talk about it. No, that's cool. That's cool. Anyway, we'll we'll let the let the listeners off the hook. Yeah, and they should go out and buy a copy from a 50 pence bin somewhere and yeah. um, make up their own minds. Yeah, We didn't even talk about the cover, the excellent cover. But yeah, people the cover isn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's a very good cover. Uh, an interesting, uh, not 100% convinced on the perspective of uh, Heather's boobs on the cover. <laughs> I think it's uh, a, a bra. I think that's well, yeah, from but... perspective rather than boobs perspective. Yeah, <laughs> as a boobs perspective expert. Yeah, well, that's it. I'm not, and uh, so it's just <laughs> difficult for me to comment. Uh, and certainly, I, I'm not. I'm no expert on underwater boobs. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but certainly, yes, it's a very good, it's a very dynamic and and uh, fun cover. Yeah, 
And I like the fact that the logo, because Heather's underwater and Punk yeah. is outside, they've they've put the ripples over the logo as well to make sure Plus, we know. Or take the water above the yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's, it's all right, yeah. Um, okay, so thank you for coming on, Fraser. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? I not really. You've caught me at a time when I'm not actually kickstarting anything or. Uh, or selling anything in particular. My comics uh, are available on my uh, Big Cartel store. Uh, just look for, uh, just go into uh, Big Cartel and look for Cabal Comics. You'll be able to get, uh, if you missed out on getting the edge off or the, the latest issue of Alex Automatic uh, or, or, uh, or Sleeping Dogs, which I've just got a new print run of. You can go there, fill your boots uh, and... Uh, Make an old man very happy. Yeah, and I thoroughly recommend they do because they're all they're all good. I've got them all. Very much. Um, yeah. So, uh, what have I got to plug? So, um, I've been talking about what I've been doing for a while now. So, um, I finished Petricorp. That's out next year. Um, I'm just finishing off an intercor- the intercoursal extension. Um, I've made a little paper prototype. There's a video of me going through the first half of that. Um, it's. I'm really happy. I'm much happier with it now than I was with it as I was working on it. Um, it was just a stupid idea, but I'll talk about that near the time. Um, I'm also working on all sorts of stuff. Uh, I won't go into it. Um, <laughs> I will be at the Catford Comic and Zine Fest, weather permitting, on December the 9th. Uh, the Blythe Tavern. Yeah, if you look for CCZF2018 on Twitter, you should find it's run by um, Henry and Stanley Miller, who are incredible comics creators, who you should go and have a look at their work as well. Uh, but yeah, so that's where I'll be there. But I think it's my only uh, tabling experience of the year. I can't think of any... Oh no, I did some earlier, but I haven't done any... Uh, Big conventions this year, so this will this will be the nearest thing I'll have done to that. So, yeah, come along and see me if you can. And um, what else is there to plug? What else do I normally say? That's it, I think. Yes, because if my children are on, this is the point where they tell me to shut up and the music starts playing. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much for coming on, and I hope that people will join me again on another episode of Alpha Podcast. Thank you for